Hello, listeners. Welcome to the People Planet Prosperity Podcast, hosted by Young Canadians for Resources and Canada Action. We're joined today by Simon Haynes, President of the Canadian Energy Geoscience Association. Welcome, Simon. Good morning, Sean. How are you? Not too bad. How are you doing today? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having me today. Well, we're really excited to talk about this because this is uh, this is an area that I don't know a lot about, and I'm sure our listeners don't. So for anyone listening who just wants to know a bit more about the industry or even is looking at potential career paths, I think this is going to be a really cool uh, interview. So to get us started off, Simon, could you give us a little background of, of who you are and how you uh, got to do the work that you're doing today? Sure thing. So I started off in geology in the mid-90s. I went to Brock University in St. Catharines, Ontario, took an undergrad degree in earth science. I was pretty lucky. I got to try out a bunch of different things, job opportunities during the summer. One of the primary things that kind of set me on this, let's call it the energy geoscience career path, was uh, at that time, the Canadian Society of Petroleum Geologists, who were the predecessors to SEGA, they would bring, and they still do, they bring a student from each university in Canada, an under, third-year undergraduate student, to Calgary for basically a two-week boot camp to learn about the petroleum industry. And being from Southern Ontario, I knew very little about it. And I just kind of fell in love with Alberta, the mountains. I really liked Calgary. felt like a young, dynamic city at the time, still does. And it just kind of opened my eyes to other opportunities came out west. I think I spent, uh, I was here in 98 and I ended up going to Fort McMurray for a couple of years and working up in the oil sands. So basically a field-based geologist. Decided I wanted to pursue my academic endeavors a little further. So I went to UBC and got a master's and then I landed back in Calgary in 2003 and started working for Shell Canada. Um, while I was at Shell, I was approached by the CSPG, uh, a friend of mine. He said, oh, you should come volunteer with us. He's like, you're a young guy, you're pretty active. How would you like to join the university outreach committee? And I thought, well, that sounds pretty good. It was just a, just a way to increase my network, talk to people who are coming out of universities, try to give them some insight into what it was actually like to work in the industry. And uh, yeah, things just snowballed from there. So a couple of years ago, I was approached to become the president of, of what eventually became SEGA. And uh, it just fit with my timeline at the moment. So uh, I, I volunteered again, and, and here we are today. Okay. Well, it sounds like an interesting journey there. Um, well, obviously, um, we're going to talk about what the your association does. But before we do that, uh, I'm sure some of our listeners are probably actually wondering, well, what does petroleum geologists do? So if you could explain that to us, that'd be great. Sure. Well, petroleum geologists, it, it's really one branch of energy geoscience. Um, we basically explore for oil and gas, hydrocarbon resources, um, basically getting into the development of said resources and the extraction of them. So Canada has a lot of resources. I mean, everybody's heard about the oil sands. I mean, it's a very strong gas basin here. We've got in Western Canada. We've actually got production off the East Coast um, in Newfoundland, offshore Newfoundland. So, and, and most, uh, a fair amount of the oil and gas that we produce is actually exported. So it's a huge uh, contributor to our, our, our GDP here in this country. Okay. And on a more personal level, why does this, uh, this industry and this topic matter to you? Great question. 
I suppose what attracted me to it, it was just, it was very exciting. You can come up with a play. So you can look at, you know, what parameters are conducive for finding oil and gas in the subsurface. You can bring it to your management. You work with a team. You work with very highly educated and professional people. You're you're not usually just working by yourself. You're working with others, geophysicists, engineers, and then there's the whole business element. And I just, I, I thought it was very practical. It was something that I could sink my teeth into. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of detective work. You've only got little bits of data and you're trying to put a coherent story together. And if you're right, and if there's a certain element of luck, that plays into this, you know, you'll find some oil and gas and you'll actually be able to develop it and, uh, and make a profit. So I, I just like the aspect of it that you could come up with ideas, test them out. And if you were, if you were right, it would pay off for the company immediately. Would you say that this is a very hands-on career? Like, did you spend a lot of time outdoors, uh, very much, you know, applying the skills in and out of the office, that sort of thing? It depends. There's a lot of different aspects to energy geoscience. Um, I spent my first two years in Fort McMurray working up in the mines, uh, monitoring tailings ponds, uh, looking at ore grades as the uh, the truck and shovel would, would excavate from the pits, um, doing remediation work, all sorts of different things. Nowadays, I don't spend much time in the field. Most of my, my work is office-based. So, uh, yeah, as I've gotten older, I've certainly gotten more and more away from the field, unfortunately. Interesting. So now that we've talked a bit about your career and your uh, perspective on that, what is the work of the Canadian Energy Geoscience Association? No, good question. Um, I guess to start with, so we're, we're a not-for-profit organization. We're about 1,800 members strong. So that's full members, associate members, student members, emeritus, etc. We're essentially a community. We're a professional technical organization. So we do a lot of things. I mean, uh, one of the main things we do is we run a number of conferences. Every year, annually, we've got what we call the Geo Convention. This is an annual three-day conference that we hold here in Calgary. Uh, we hold it jointly with the Canadian Society of Exploration Geophysicists. We actually hold a two-day core conference that is associated with that. It's usually the first two days of Geo Convention or the two days immediately following. So we go up to the core lab here in Calgary and people pull out different cores from different formations and talk about the depositional environments, talk about their interpretations of them. So it's a real hands-on working session. Uh, every year we've got what's called the Gusau Conference that's usually held in Banff, Alberta. Uh, we look at different aspects of energy geoscience. This year, we're actually holding a geomechanics conference. So that's the focus for, for this year's Gusau. We also offer short courses for our members. We hold little field trips. These could be ranging from one to several days. We publish a technical journal, the Bulletin of Canadian Energy Geoscience, which comes out twice a year. Uh, we have a members magazine, which which is called The Reservoir. It's a bit technically lighter. Um, it talks about, you know, upcoming talks with our sister societies. Um, we, we run technical lunches several times a year. So we'll get people in downtown Calgary to come to a venue and we'll have a speaker uh, who will talk for 45 minutes and everybody gets to network and, and actually hear a technical technical discussion. We've got a pretty small staff for about five people here based in Calgary, and most of our work is actually carried out by volunteers. So they're actually energy geoscientists who are our members. 
that's really cool because I think that that shows um, the level of care and engagement that that community has. Uh, and it's neat to see that. So yeah, what we've definitely got some very passionate volunteers. They're the lifeblood of our organization. Well, that's phenomenal. And, you know, I, we've kind of addressed this a little bit, but what do you think gets these people passionate about, about uh, energy geoscience? Well, it's a good question. I think um, I go back to my career and, and how I got into it. And I, I've spoken to many people about this and I, I see a similar path. You, you kind of come out of university and you've got a great network. You've got people that you're going to classes with and you're hanging out with all the time. And then you start an industry. And it can be a bit lonely at the beginning. I mean, the, te- the work is exciting. It's technically engaging, but you kind of miss, you know, hanging out with like-minded people because usually you're at work and you're, you're pretty busy with what you're actually doing. I mean, you work with people on teams, but you don't always have the time to talk about other things, talk about other aspects of the general work. Um, when you join SEGA, you, ex- you immediately expand your entire network. Uh, You get to go to all these different things, short courses, field trips, technical luncheons, and you meet people from other companies. And that's interesting because not every company does things the same way. So you begin to build this network. You understand that there's, well, different ways to, uh, to kind of do the same job. You see what other companies are doing. You talk about strategy, different things like this. It's just a it's a great way to expand your technical network, but also just gain that professional knowledge from learning from others. And I think that's why people get involved. And, you know, we do other things too. We, uh, we have some social and uh, let's call them sport activities events. We hold a, a fun run every year, a 5 to 10K race, and we actually do a, a squash tournament. That's really cool. And, and definitely... Um from working with young Canadians for resources, that's definitely something we also try to foster is that community. So I know throughout the summer, we run a number of events for uh, students working in the energy industry, because as you said, right, it's long hours, it's hard work, but it's more worthwhile if you can meet people in a similar field and and line of thinking. Um, So that's really quite neat. So from your uh, perspective as president of this association, what are some of the exciting issue areas that are coming up in an industry at the moment? Oh, that's uh, that's an excellent question. I mean, I'm going to take a step back for a second and just talk about our, our rebranding. So I, I mentioned earlier, we were originally the Canadian Society of Petroleum Geologists. Before that, we were the Alberta Society of Petroleum Geologists, which started almost 100 years ago, back in 1927. In 1973, we became the CSPG. And then just last year, we actually had a membership vote and we decided to change the Canadian Energy Geoscience Association. Um, The main driver behind that was this kind of shift from, I suppose, a pure petroleum focused group to energy geoscience. And when I say energy geoscience, I'm talking about all sorts of other things. carbon capture, lithium extraction, geothermal. I know although it's not even a true uh, energy resource, but helium ex- exploration and extraction of that. What we found was over the last 10 years, we had a lot of people leaving the petroleum industry. Some of it was just, you know, natural attrition. We had people who were retiring. They were getting up in age and they'd, they'd had enough. They decided to leave. Um, we've had, unfortunately, we've had some layoffs, uh, low oil prices, 
which actually have rebounded in the last year and a half. Um, so it was it was really survival. I mean, how do we make our organization still attractive and just to pivot a bit? It was to uh, to kind of expand what we were doing, so we weren't just a one horse show, and to get people interested again. So what I noticed this year, we had our geo convention back in May, and we had an, we have got three days of sessions. And some of the sessions that were the busiest were things like I just mentioned, carbon capture, helium, lithium extraction, geothermal. Those were the ones that were full. In fact, we had people kind of lined up at the door. So things change. Um, when I came into this industry in the early 2000s, coal bed methane was a huge thing. Everybody was going into that. But things change. Focuses change. One of the things we're dealing with now is basically we're, we're a bit unpopular petroleum. You know, it's uh, everybody's concerned about climate change and global warming, as they should be. But, you know, at the same time, we've, we, we live in a very um, energy intensive world. I mean, everybody has vehicles to get around, whether they're electric or gas powered. And uh, we're right now we're still set up for petroleum. So petroleum is going to be around for many years to come. Um, I think there's been a, a shift away from it. And I, I think we're beginning to see it come full circle. People are coming back to the industry now because we've, we've actually gotten rid of too many. So it's one of the things where we're challenged with these days. Hmm, interesting. So I think that, that leads to, I think, two questions that I mind. And the first is kind of looking at the current state of affairs and how that's changing. So what does energy transition mean to you? To me, it's, um, it's kind of like growing up. Um, you go from being a child to a teenager to an adult. And I think we're in the teenager phase right now where we're trying to figure out what we want to be as a society. We've been focused on petroleum for about 100 years, a little over. Uh, there, there's a huge societal push for this low carbon future. And I think that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But it's going to take a while. Our whole network and system of transportation is set up for hydrocarbons. We're very slowly getting ahead with um, increasing our electrical networks, increasing charging stations, both across this country, but also globally. And uh, it's going to take a while. I think that's one of the things that people, I, I guess it's just a lack of understanding. It's it's not going to happen overnight. People want, we, we the government has set some pretty ambitious targets. And ambitious targets, they're drivers. I understand why they're there. But you don't want to set such an ambitious target that you're doomed to failure. It's going to take a lot of copper to electrify our network. I've heard different estimates, anywhere from 20 to 50 times the total amount of copper that has ever been mined on the planet will be required to electrify our, our grid going forward globally. So I struggle with how that's going to happen. I think we need to consider what else we can do. Um, we've got people now who are, who are looking at all these alternative systems, geothermal, things like that. There's a reason they weren't pushed forward in the past. They don't seem to be as energy efficient at the moment, but hopefully all that will change. I mean, scientific breakthroughs come when you least expect them. So, you know, things are going to, things are going to move forward, but it'll probably be at a much slower pace than we would like. So that's what it means to me when, it, when you ask about energy transition. It's coming. It's going to be slower than we anticipate though. 
Well, you've made some very interesting points there. I think one of them that uh, is also shared by my organization is that transition isn't, it's not a bad word, right? No. It's a process. It's how you go about that process that really defines it. And if we look at our uses of uh, traditional fuel sources, if we look at the wider range of products and, and uses for them, um, it's not mm. something that can be changed overnight. Now, is it something that can be transitioned over time? Absolutely. That's the whole point of the transition. But it's a process that involves multiple steps along the way. Um, so it's, it's great that you kind of speak to that aspect of, of transition and that these new technologies, this electrification requires a lot of resources as well. So from your perspective, then, what would you say is key to making a successful energy transition happen? And how can Canada contribute to that? Good question. Um, I mean, the other the other aspect of this is uh, as we transition, it's going to cost quite a bit of money. And the question is, where is that money going to come from? And I think we all realize that, well, people like you and I are going to pay for it through taxes, through various things. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's not an easy question to answer. Um, moving forward, I think I think it's just going to take a while. Uh, I don't think there's a magic bullet, Sean. I, I, I know people are looking for things like that. It's just going to be people putting their nose to the grindstone and doing the work. And they're going to have to be comfortable with failure. There's going to be things that past people go down, past companies goes, go down, that uh, probably aren't going to be as immediately successful as they'd like them to be. It's hard to stay the course when things don't go as quickly as you'd like and as successfully as one would like. So I look at companies who are getting into, say, for example, geothermal. I think geothermal is a great energy source. I think there needs to be a lot more work on, you know, what are the best areas to be drilling in? Um, we can we can borrow a lot of that from the petroleum industry, you know, getting getting people in who know how to drill these deep wells into the earth, but it's also picking the right locations, it's using the right technology, and then it's getting getting it down to um, cost reductions and things like that, because everything's going to be pretty expensive at first as we transition over. Well, those are certainly important considerations to take into account, right? Transition, again, it's not inherently bad. It can be a good thing, but there's costs associated with it, and sometimes those costs are a little hidden. So before... Um, I move forwards to some of these exciting new uh, energy opportunities. We look at the current oil and gas industry now. And one of the things that uh, my organization likes to say is that, look, transition, if it's going to happen, great, right? Where can Canada contribute? But while we're still using oil and gas for the foreseeable future, Canada's in a really good position to supply that because of the standards and practices that we have in place in this country that uh, lead to a very ethically run industry. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, 100% behind that. We've got some of the highest environmental standards in the world. Um, you know, we, we treat our workers fairly well here. Not only do we have laws to protect them, it's just our Canadian society. We don't want people to, to get hurt on the job. So, you know, it's, it's the whole question of ethically sourced oil from this country. It's also pretty stable here. I mean, you know, depending on who you vote for, there's always complaints about the government. That happens in every country. But you know, we're not a country that's uh, there's there's going to be some huge uprising by the military or something like that. So in terms of energy security, we're definitely one of the best countries in the world. And we've you know you kind of touched on it already. We've got vast resources here. 
we've got generations worth of oil and gas that can still be tapped. So for anybody who wants to get into petroleum geology, there's still a long career ahead of them if they choose to take that path. Absolutely. Now, this is a slightly more tough question, but I think one thing that is important to address is that, you know, you have your young student and he's looking at the news and he hears about layoffs, right? It's a big, scary yeah. word for someone looking at a new industry. So for that young Canadian who's listening to this and going, well, this sounds really cool, but that also worries me. What would you say? They're right to be concerned because they're looking ahead and they're thinking, so if I get into this, where's my career in 10 years, 20 years? Do I have to, do I have to pivot? Do I have to go into something else down the road? And most people don't want to do that. They want to go to university, study what they're passionate about, and then hopefully work in that industry. I would say that there's going to be jobs going ahead. They, may, they won't look the same as the jobs we have today. I mean, some of that is driven by things like AI. Um, that will help lighten the load instead of as much data management, maybe we can get the computers to do it and things like that. I do think we're going to need people going forward for a very long time. Um, we keep saying we're going to need fewer people, but when I talk to exploration managers and VPs downtown, they're actually concerned that they can't find enough people at the moment. So I, I was speaking to a, a professor the other day at a, a university, and she was saying that they've got the most first-year undergrads in earth science that they've ever had in the history of the university. So it does feel like things are picking up again. I think people need to be patient. They need to have their eyes open, though. It's, um, it can be an industry where there are layoffs, but there's a lot of industries like that. You have to kind of be a bit, how, how should I describe this? You have to have kind of, you, you're going to have to basically have, a, have kind of a thick skin. Um, you're going to have to stand on your own two feet in terms of being willing to change, um, maybe take different positions that you didn't originally thought you would. I mean, maybe go, go from working from a big uh, company to becoming a private consultant or stuff like that. So there's certainly going to be some tough times, but I think you're going to see that in all industries. So. Well, and it sounds too, though, that there's really some exciting opportunities coming down, uh, coming down the pipeline as well. Uh, so definitely to anyone listening, if you've got the stomach for various opportunities that may arise unexpectedly or expectedly, there's some really cool stuff you can get into. And I want to get into that. So sure. you talked about uh, lithium, helium, geothermal. What does that look like in Canada? I'd say we're... We're starting the journey on it. I mean, you look at petroleum here in Western Canada, you can drive through farmers' fields and you'll see the nodding donkeys and gas wellheads all over the place. You know, geothermal isn't there yet. There's, there's a couple of locations where they're drilling wells. Lithium, they're starting to look at, you know, they're still trying to figure out, you know, what are the best places to be, what formations, what technologies should, should we be using? Helium's kind of the same thing. I think one of the most exciting things that's going on at the moment is this uh, this area of carbon capture and sequestration. So we're looking at basically old reservoirs that have uh, appropriate cap ops where we can start injecting some of this carbon byproduct and helping to uh, offset our emissions. And that is actually an area that is completely 100% suited to the skills of a petroleum geoscientist. You have to understand 
the reservoir, sedimentology, structural geology. You have to understand cap rock pressures and ceiling capacities and things like this. So yeah, there's all sorts of things that are that are changing and evolving that people can get into. That's really interesting. Um, with this energy transition and these exciting new things that you've mentioned, how critical is Canada's role in, in, in contributing to the global energy transition? Good question. Um, we're already doing a great job here. We've already had uh, huge amounts of, of steps forward in terms of reducing our emissions. I mean, we need to be, we need to be better. We can always do a, a better job. I think where you can lead the way in terms of developing technologies and then exporting said technologies to other developing countries. Also, just our people. I mean, we've got a pretty mobile workforce here. For anybody who wants to travel, I think this is a great industry to go in. I mean, you can go all over the world. And uh, Canadians are looked at as, you know, great earth scientists. And uh, people are people will come here to recruit. So if you want to have a career spanning the globe, this is a great thing to get into. Well, it's definitely an exciting thing for, I think, university students to finally get to do some traveling. Yeah. Um, you've mentioned uh, with electrification of, the, of, of systems all around the world that like copper usage is going to skyrocket. Um, yes. What are some of these essential minerals for energy transition and how are they uh, found in Canada and what opportunity does that then offer? Yeah, no, there's a lot of rare earth elements. I mean, Canada is a huge country. And so this is getting more into a lot of it comes down to mining, um, which is a good thing, I think, in Canada. Again, as long as it's managed responsibly. But that's also another career path people can think of. Um, when I was an undergraduate, I actually went to Chile. I was doing gold exploration down there. So I would tell people, you know, don't don't be afraid to change your career. Um, there's huge parts of northern Canada that remain, let's call it lightly explored. I wouldn't say it's completely unexplored, but, um, you know, people are focused on rare earth elements and, and all sorts of different things. Lithium, again, a lot of those are coming out from brines, from uh, uh, basically oil field waters and things like that. But I think, I think yeah, we're going to start looking at how do we get into, how do we increase mining and the jobs that are there and things are picking up as i understand and for that to happen for these resources to be properly and responsibly uh utilized what are some do you see shifts being necessary in canada certain practices that we need to get better at um yeah definitely i think i think we need to have a stronger relationship with both the provincial and federal governments i think we need to build relationships both between companies and also our, our First Nations partners. Uh, a lot of that just comes down to communication. We need The companies need to be very clear on what they want to do, how they're going to do it, when they're going to do it, who's going to be involved, what is the process. It's basically transparency. You need to let people know what your intentions are, and then you need to follow said intentions. You don't change the rules later on. And that goes on both sides. So. We can all improve on that that aspect. Um, yeah. Awesome. So 
kind of as we begin to wrap up here, I want to focus a little bit more on the, the career aspect, or especially for anyone listening who's interested in this. The first thing I want to ask you is, and it kind of uh, pushed me to ask this because you mentioned gold exploration in Chile, sure. which, wow, that sounds cool. Um, what are some of the neat and exciting opportunities you've had in your own career, uh, whether in Canada or internationally? Oh, wow. Where do I begin? Um, well, we'll start with something that interests most people, travel. I probably traveled to uh, 10 different countries professionally during my career. Um, and that that's great. I've been to South America, to Europe, the U.S., different parts of Canada. So probably that's the number one thing. And part of it's, you know, just going for meetings. Some of it's doing field work. Some of it's going on uh, field trips just to look at analogous uh, geological units that I'm working on in the subsurface. Um, in terms of operations, I've, I've drilled a number of wells here in Alberta. I've worked in the oil sands. I think one of my career highlights was actually going offshore to the Flemish Pass. So that's in the east coast of Canada, about 450 kilometers offshore. We were drilling wells out there and I actually got to go out and, and take a core in one of the exploration wells that we were drilling. So I flew out by helicopter, we took the core, and then I came back with the core on the boat, which is about a, a 20 hour ship ride to St. John's. Um, and I guess as a, later in my career, I actually got the opportunity to work internationally. Uh, I got an expat position in the London office of one of the companies that I was employed with. And I came in as an advisor and uh, was there for two years, eventually became an exploration manager. And then I, uh, did that and repatriated back to our Canadian office. So it's it's been a good career. There's been so many highlights. Um, it's been very exciting. I've got to work with a ton of different people from all over the world. Awesome. So my last question then is, to a young Canadian listening to this right now, and he's looking, he's either in geology already or he's looking at doing it, what, uh, what advice would you give them for their career? Good question. I'm always a little uh, leery of answering this question because I always pull from my own experience and I always tell people, you know, I've had my life and my career. Yours will not look exactly the same. Part of it's who you are. It's the opportunities that present themselves to you at certain times. But I think there's a few things that uh, I think are very general that I would I would impart to others. First, first of all, as an undergrad, take all the different types of courses that you can. Don't pick a path immediately and just um, kind of box yourself in. Like, take the basic courses in clastic and carbonate sedimentology. Take different geochemistry courses. Take structural geology. Take optical mineralogy. Take something like, I don't know, Precambrian geology that you think, I'll never use this. But you'll be surprised. These things always seem to come around. And you'll, you'll probably remember it 10 years down the road. Oh, I took that course many years ago. I can, I can pull out those notes again. Uh, a couple other things, get involved, um, volunteer, definitely try, you know, if there's opportunities within your department, say you've got an earth sciences club or something like that, um, volunteer to help become the secretary treasurer of your club. Um, it, it really just gets you, it, it introduces you to other people. It gets you working on some different skill sets that you normally wouldn't pick, but, pick, but will probably serve you uh, better in life. And also. When I guess the final thing I'll say is, you know, you're going to be looking for summer jobs, apply to a lot of different places, see what you get offered, and don't be afraid to take something that 
may not immediately jive with your projected career plans. I remember um, one summer working for an environmental company doing uh, essentially gas station cleanups in Southern Ontario. Now I'm on the other side. Now I explore for oil and gas. But it's good to understand what the environmental impacts are and how they're addressed and also how much money it costs to clean something up. It really drove into me. It's like, yeah, we should probably put a bit more money in up front to prevent these spills and leaks from happening. So you never know where the opportunities are going to come and uh, what kind of wisdom they're going to impart. Well, Simon, thank you so much for your time today. To our listeners, that was Simon Haynes, president of the Canadian Energy Geoscience Association on the People, Planet, Prosperity podcast.